The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast, Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome and happy Tuesday to you. I am so happy you could be here today. And joining us, you are listening to Volcast, Illuminating Leadership, and I'm your host, Jeff Smith. You can reach me at 1-866-472-5788. You can also email me at jeff at voltageleadership.com. Like me on Facebook at Voltage Leadership. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith, Voltage Leadership Consulting. Follow me on Twitter at JMUJeff. Wow, what a great day. Beautiful day here in Roanoke, Virginia. We are actually coming to you live from the Virginia Tech Higher Ed Center. Our partners have been gracious enough for us to let us be here today, uh, use their sound system, and we are so excited to be with you. I am joined by my colleague, Jennifer Owen O'Quill, as we discuss the role of conversational intelligence in leadership. So let's start off with, who is Jennifer? Jennifer Owen O'Quill is the leadership director for Voltage Leadership. She has 20 years of leadership and now consulting experience in various areas of leadership and strategy. She works in innovative companies like Polymer Solutions, Torque Robotics, and healthcare with places like Korean Clinic. She also works in the not-for-profit world as well. She joined Voltage in 2014 after leading organizations of her own for 15 years. She's originally from the West Coast, attended Scripps College in Claremont, California, went on and got her master's in divinity in Chicago, and today is an executive coach and strategy consultant specializing in cultivating innovative environments within organizations. Her sweet spot is for helping organizations be able to strive and scale up. She's married to David and has an eight-year-old son. If you know Jennifer, you will always see her dancing, smiling, laughing. She loves to be outdoors and sailing and recently went on a two-week sailing trip up in the west, western part of the United States. So, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. It's good to be here, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Jennifer, last time on the show, we were talking about communication breakdowns. We covered things like DISC and how do you be able to get folks to know their communication style and then be able to flex to the style of people around them. So, uh, I will invite you on the show to continue this conversation, but maybe at a different level. And you and I have been talking a lot about conversational intelligence, CIQ. You know, it's sort of what I refer to as like emotional intelligence was 20 years ago. This is the next big shift in leadership. And so I'm just maybe wondering if you could give us maybe the 30-second version of what conversational intelligence is. Well, I know we'll go into a deeper dive later, but maybe the 30-second version of conversational intelligence. So thank you for asking about that, uh, Jeff, because conversational intelligence is 
really what is emerging on the forefront of leadership uh, coaching and the leadership conversation that I hear in uh, the C-suite and, and from all levels of management. What does it take to actually pay attention to not just your own internal uh, reactions and responses, which is really what EQ was all about, and we heard about emotional intelligence in the last over the last 20 years, and that's been a very important piece of leadership awareness. But conversational intelligence really takes that to the next level and elevates it to a conversation uh, between people. It's not just about how you are, but it's also about paying attention to the impact that you're having and really cultivating and curating the conversation that's going to build trust and allow your organization to be dynamic and prepared for the challenges that are before all of us as we, uh, as we work together to build the, the world and the business life that we want. Wow, that sounds interesting. I know our listeners are going to be excited to learn more about this throughout the uh, conversation here we're having today. I guess for you personally, uh, Jennifer, how does it feel to be part of the first cohort of coaches that will bring this new coaching concept to businesses and organizations around the world? That's got to be exciting for you. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to really co-create with leaders and coaches all across the world in this global movement that is a conversational intelligence. I have a colleague in Stockholm, uh, in Sweden, that I meet with a couple of times a month. There's a colleague in India. Um, There's a colleague here in the United States and a all around the world, but we need and have conversations about how this is showing up in our, in our global businesses and in our local enterprises. What is it that we can do to really help leaders navigate conversations that build cultures that allow for the best performance and really the best uh, people to show up and lead the organization? Wow, that sounds great, Jennifer. What types of things have you done in the training? Like, is it, uh, you know, all that you just learn or is there coaching involved? And, and how do you see applying it in the future? Right. Well, what's, what I really enjoy about it is that the first section of body of work, the first six months of the work that we did together, was really listening to Judith uh, E. Glaser, who came up with this concept and and really has brought it to the world in her book, Conversational Intelligence, from 2014. Uh, Really a conversation with her about the neuroscience behind what makes a great conversation, what builds a trust conversation, and how to really create the conditions for our brains to work with us, to really elevate the conversation so that we can engage more effectively with each other. One of the things that I have... uh, enjoyed about the time is that there was a lot of learning, but she brought in a lot of science and some research papers on the latest neuroscience about how this actually is applied in, uh, in people and on teams all around the globe. And then there was other coaches that would give great conversation and great case studies. So we had case study after case study that we walked through about the transformation that happened in teams, how you really apply these tools to take a team from good to great or to take a team from dysfunction to function or from pain to gain. So uh, a lot of case studies and application, and that's really the cornerstone, Jeff, of our business at Voltage Leadership is the application piece. So it really is relevant to the particular work and the approach that we have at Voltage Leadership to be able to 
help leaders actually do something different when they come home from the learning. And so as a piece of that, we do engage in coaching conversations with each other uh, as well as present cases that, uh, that we're currently working on and have the whole body of, uh, of coaching help these uh, organizations solve problems and uh, take steps forward for the resilience of their teams. Wow, that's great. Sounds like a fantastic program. Jennifer, congratulations for being one of the first coaches in the world to be able to go through this. It's quite an accomplishment. I look forward to hearing more about that. I want to it's pick been, up on a theme. It's been a great ride. Absolutely. I want to pick up a theme that you had earlier about the importance of trust in teams. Uh, you know, it's interesting. This week's blog uh, that I wrote uh, was something called Elements of Trust. And so I was really talking about um, why I thought trust was important to teams. Additionally, that trust is one of those words that we kind of throw away and use all the time, but do we really understand what trust means? So for some, they build trust off things like competence. And is that other person good at what they're doing and can they do what they say? For some, it's sincerity. Does what you say match the actions you take? For others, it might be reliability, keeping promises and commitments. And again, if you want to learn more, uh, go to voltageleadership.com and check out our blog from uh, Monday. But I'm curious, Jennifer, for you, why do you think trust is so important to teams? Well, I'll give you an example, uh, Jeff, of two different rooms that I've been in recently. And in, in one room, I had the opportunity to do a strategy retreat with an executive team for a national healthcare technology firm. And they wanted me to come because they actually wanted the desired outcome that the CEO had was to really elevate the level of conversation uh, and to bring uh, a real engagement, shared space, and trust. This is a this is a organization that is on the move to move from a 500 million to a 1 billion dollar uh, global health uh, healthcare technology provider. So they have a strong vision and they're moving very fast and they know that at the speed and rate that they're moving that they need to be able to speak clearly to each other. And so how it shows up is that when you have an intentional environment, it is, uh, it is so much easier for people to engage. So he made a space for that team to come together and to have a conversation. They were honest. They were forthright. But we set some ground rules and I'll talk about that a little bit later. And we gave some really clear parameters about what the desired outcome was for the business, and they made sure that those were shared by everyone in the room. And then we moved into how we are going to have these, have these very engaged conversations. When you have a beginning like that, then you can have a team that moves forward together, really wrestling down the problems. No one holds anything back because they aren't afraid. They don't hold back their idea or their critique, and people don't take it personally. That's a trust environment in a business setting, and it's very effective. Distrust, on the other hand, is another, is another room I've been in. And a room of distrust is a one where people don't, there's no laughter. And there isn't a lot of engagement and conversation. There's reports, there's telling, but there's not a lot of sharing, and there isn't going to be a new insight. And when people gather, they aren't excited to be together because they know there's not going to be a new insight inside of the meeting because the meeting is a meeting. It isn't a conversation. And so when you begin to really curate conversations and figure out how to help people talk with each other, you have the opportunity to begin to pull out people's creativity and people's engagement, and that's what creates trust. So the difference between a trusting environment is 
people to move quickly and move toward productivity and a distrusting environment is where people withhold information, are afraid of being judged, are suspicious of people around them and their motives, and they don't share fully. They just sit, and then they go and do their bit and come back, and they get by, but they don't go big. That's the difference. Okay, great, Jennifer. You know, th- this is interesting. I'll, I'm going to wrap up this part of the conversation, and then we'll uh, be moving to break in just a moment. But here's what I heard some was a trust on team is open conversations, ability to challenge each other, to put the best ideas into the room. Those are the places where it works best. When it's not working, you see conversations avoid it. There's a lot more conversations in the hallway, at the water cooler, and that leads to a team that's just not very successful. Unfortunately, we, Jennifer, myself, and others, have this day in and day out. So when we come back from break, we'll pick up on that theme. So what I want you to be able to know is we'll be back in two minutes. We'll continue this conversation, and we'll start to really dive into conversational intelligence. See you in two. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Tired of wasting time and spending marketing money with little results? Are you looking for more leads, clients, and revenue in your business with predictable results? Tune in to Mojo My Business with the team behind Mojo Global, Ira Rosen, and Corey Michael Sanchez. Our program will showcase proven expert solutions that have helped countless businesses outsell the competition and gain massive market share. Mojo My Business can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1 866 472 5788. Again, that's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. I'm glad you're with us today. I've got Jennifer Owen O'Quill from Voltage Leadership Consulting, and we're talking about conversational intelligence. Before the break, Jennifer and I were discussing why trust matters on teams, what it adds when you have it, what do you lose when you don't have it. One of the biggest challenges I've seen with my clients is not knowing how to build trust, how they don't know how to build trust, and communicate very well. So, Jennifer, where I'd like to pick back up is, you know, I'm curious, when do you see a leader at their best and maybe at their worst when it comes to building trust on teams? Boy, it is such a great thing, and I know you'd agree with this, Jeff, to see a leader at their best, to watch a leader walk into the room and be curious, 
that word that you just used with the question, I'm, always, I'm curious to know when a leader is at their best, when a leader comes with curiosity and not a conviction. So that's one. Um, when a leader comes with questions for which they have no answer, as opposed to a preconceived conclusion that they would like others to arrive at. Um, a, a leader who shows up with the ability to listen and learn and not show and tell. So I would say those are some differences between the, the best and brightest leaders and the leaders that are still learning. Um, I wouldn't call them the worst, right? <laughs> but those are <laughs> sure. leaders that are still learning and finding their way. And they'll move past those behaviors, hopefully, into, uh, into those other behaviors where you really can listen and learn from your people. And you have enough confidence to do that. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's hopefully what I would say about that, Jeff. Yeah, Jennifer, I, I think that's great. For me, um, I, yeah, I think the leaders being curious, not coming with prescribed answers like you just you just said is fantastic. I'd also add, add, uh, add to it and say, when I see that they um, are really trying to get the most out of each and every person on the team, and they don't try to set up people on the team to work against each other, you know, and say, you know, I'm going to give instructions to one person to another person, but they really try to keep it as a team so that we can have trust. There's enough conflict that comes up. We don't need to artificially create it. And so the best leaders I work with look for ways to still have conflict, but over ideas and not for credit or who does what. I would agree. And, and one of the things that I see is when the leader sets the stage at the beginning of when we achieve this large outcome, right? And so when it's healthcare, when we achieve better healthcare for the community, then whichever business segment that you're in, that's what success looks like. But when they're able to paint a large picture like that so that everyone knows that to get to that larger outcome, right, everybody's contributing, that makes such a difference because then people are all working for the same piece of, same level of success. They aren't in their silos trying to achieve a particular metric and check off their box. Jeff, I'd like to go a little different direction now. So up at the top of the program, we talked a little bit about this conversational intelligence that uh, Judith uh, E. Glazer um, has come up with. Uh, could you maybe get, just give us a deeper dive? Uh, you know, I, I know that we have worked together, and you've taught me some about the three levels. So maybe what is conversational intelligence, that deeper dive, and then the three levels of conversational intelligence? So thank you for the question, Jeff. The three levels of conversation really relate to what I just was talking about between the great leaders, the best leaders I come in contact and leaders contact with and leaders that are still learning. And uh, the this level of conversation, level one conversation, is uh, where we really tell and ask folks, tell people instructions, this is where we set expectations and give people guidance, and we ask questions about reporting out what's happening, but also ask for understanding. So this is a real question and answer time. It's an important time. So all of these levels are important, uh, but... Here's where trust gets built, not in level one. <laughs> level two is about persuading others. And it's an important piece of conversation as well. It's the place where we really cast vision and share our, uh, our point of view. Right? But it's also where we can get really caught up in our particular approach. 
So that's the shadow side of that. There's level one and there's level two. And then there's level three uh, conversations. And this is the level where trust gets built. And in this level, it isn't about asking and telling, and it isn't about persuading. It is about sharing and discovering. It's about really being curious. I like to say that it's important to set the expectations, but it's also important to find out and discover what the aspirations of your people are. So this is where we really find out what the aspirations, what the real creativity, what the fire in the belly of the people that work with us are. And then we can, then as leaders, we can figure out how to help them go and use those things and seek to fulfill the aspirations that they have and to use the passion that they have to fuel their work. So that's what you discover in level three conversations. So those are the three levels of conversation, and we move through them. So we can talk a little bit more about that, um, how well, we move Jeff, through them. And yeah, I'm, curious, I'm curious, which of them do you think leaders spend the most time in <laughs> when that you're working with, Jeff? Well, gosh, you know, uh, whether it's uh, professionally or personally may differ, but, you know, sometimes uh, as you were describing that level one, tell and ask, you know, I'm struck as a father of four that there are times I probably um, get hung up uh, on the tell and ask. I'm thinking back to last night where there might have been some homework not getting done quite as quickly as they needed to and probably need to get to bed. And I don't think I was in share and discover mode. I think I was in the uh, tell and ask and darn it, I want to go to sleep. So I would imagine that most leaders we work with spend more time in tell and ask and probably need to learn how to be effective at all three levels. Do I, do I have that about right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's very important to have the tell and ask because that is where key expectations get set. And it's levels as well. But the persuasion piece is also important. And I find myself there a fair amount of the time. So it's not that we don't go to those other places, right, and that we don't have those conversations. It's that to know and be intentional as we're crafting environments for our teams to give the space and make the time for there to be those level three conversations where we pause and take the time to really listen, to share and discover, and to ask questions for which we have no answer. And that's really the hallmark difference between whether you are trying to ask questions to guide people to your preconceived conclusion or whether you're asking questions that are really about discovering something new and learning something new. Interesting. I don't know that um, I fully grasped casting vision the first time I heard that. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that I'm probably in the same place as the listeners here. So when you say something like casting vision, what, what does that mean, Jennifer? Well, let me give you an example. Uh, so I was sitting in a room with, with a team of folks that uh, lead a healthcare provider uh, that, that serves a very broad region. And it was all different parts of the business. And the leader in the room said, uh, this is what I want. I want for us to be able to drive and improve and increase the health and vitality of this region. And when we're doing that, we're succeeding. That's vision, right? That's something that everybody can lean into and get excited about. And when we recite of the vision, so I'll, I'll use another example of the current banking crisis that we have at Wall Street at the moment, right, when we have the wrong vision of this, we've lost sight of the fact that what we're 
about is creating financial freedom for our clients. And what we become about is I'm trying to beat another business. Uh, we lose sight of the vision of why we exist in the first place and bad decisions get made. And that's when you lose the, your moral compass, your ethics, and all kinds, of, all kinds of problems begin to emerge inside of the business. So when the vision is clear, when it's cast regularly, the other thing about vision, when you cast a big idea out in a, uh, for an organization about what it is it that you want to be doing, to do that in a way that um, really brings people together and allows for there to still be uh, room for creativity, that's important too. So vision is something that leaks, though, and so if you don't repeat your vision, if you don't continually remind people why it is that you're doing what you're doing, they'll forget. Right? So when I came on board with you, uh, I, one of the questions I asked was, what are we for? And you said, we want to do great work with great people to achieve great results. And I remember that. I'm interested in building better readers. That's what I do, and that's why I do it. And it reminds me of the intention with which I'm doing my work and not the particular tactic that I have for the work. So it's about, it's about purpose over tactic. Wow. So I was brilliant once. I love it. I like hearing my own words come back to me. So uh, thanks for remembering that. You know, um, I'm just going to run through that one more time. So what I heard was tell and ask. It's about setting some uh, clear expectations, making sure that you maybe pull from the others what was their understanding. And so uh, one way to build trust is have some clear expectations, making sure that we're checking for understanding. If we only did that, though, um, the the trouble would be that that sort of – you know, command and control type of environment. I think we then move to the next level where there's some persuading, there's the vision. And to your point, uh, I work with a lot of leaders that seem to think that they put the vision out there one time and everyone's going to get it. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. So it's that ability to sort of share a vision, hear it back, and then put it into practice. And then finally, you know, I really love this last one, this share and discover. We talk a lot about what are our desired outcomes um, that we have for ourselves, for our team, and what's our shared vision of the future? And that really sounds a lot like that's going to be collaboration and serving leader. Um, so maybe, Jennifer, uh, about one minute here. You know, do we have to be great at all of these? And, and we're going to learn more about this. Well, you don't have to be great at all of them. And I think just the act of saying that you'd like to create an environment where there was more engagement, right, that that in and of itself communicates something. To uh, be able to learn more, you can, of course, read the book, Conversational Intelligence, and also be engaged with the um, blog posts that we regularly have at Voltage Leadership. Nice, short suggestions about how you can, what next steps you can take. And I would also say just remember uh, some, some simple things. Don't just, don't just, Give people instructions and set the expectations, but pull for under pull for understanding. Uh, at the end of the meeting, don't end with any questions, but <laughs> what assignments did you give today, and what did you understand our purpose to be as we leave this place? Right? It's a deeper question, it's a bigger question, but in those small ways, when we really pay attention to the kinds of questions we ask, we win. That's great. It's uh, Jennifer. It's time for us to catch up on another break. So we'll see you on the other side of two minutes when we will discuss ways that uh, we can identify which conversations are most needed in our current situation and how to ask the right set of questions to have the right conversation at the right time. So see you on the other side of two minutes. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com psych up live with host dr suzanne phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective it's a look at what matters to us why do we laugh how do we cope with stress are men and women really that different what is it about our relationships how are they formed how they work out and why they sometimes don't every week is something new to engage you Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now, back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. And I hope you've been enjoying our conversation so far today. It's a beautiful day in sunny Virginia, and it's been a great conversation. I hope that you've gotten something out of it. Jennifer and I have been talking about how do you build exceptional teams using a tool, a book called Conversational Intelligence. Now I'm curious about how do we put it to use? So, Jennifer, you've been talking with some of our clients about this ground rules process. I'm not really sure what that is. Can you explain it and, you know, why you're going about doing that with our clients? Well, whenever I work with an impact team, Jeff, I always like to begin with setting the ground rules. It's something that they can take back, that they can use with their breakout teams when they go back into their workplace. And it's something they can use really every time they gather. And if the leader is smart, They'll find ways to ask how that's being used all around the business, and they'll go back to it time and again. So let me tell you what ground rules are. Ground rules are the conversation that you have before you begin your first meeting of the year, your annual retreat, or really even the next time you gather. Before there are problems, right, before there are issues, just to talk about what it is that each of you need to fully engage in this conversation. So what is it that... The question I would ask is, it's great that all of you are here, and I'm really curious to know what it is that each and every one of you need to be fully present today. And I go around the room, and I ask that question to each person. I give them some time to think about it. I ask them to write it down on a note card. I find that that tool, that tactic helps capture people's thoughts so they don't get lost in the words of others. I give them a moment to answer the question. What is it that you need to be fully present and engaged today? 
and then we write them, we list them up on a, on a flip chart at the front of the room, and we have a conversation about what those needs are. The first one, often, is trust. Hmm. And another that merges is respect. So we get a list like that going, and that begins a conversation about how we're going to be together before we get to the business. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I, I can totally see, especially in today's world where everyone is just going from meeting to meeting to meeting, you know, that all of a sudden you you maybe are still frustrated with that one o'clock to two o'clock meeting. You're laying in this two o'clock meeting and you haven't even had a chance to grab a pack of crackers, get a drink of water, use the restroom, any of that stuff. And all of a sudden, wham, you're lined up in the next meeting. And I'm sure that if you don't do that sort of centering exercise there and, and talk about what is it you want to be today, it would be really easy to try to read the room and say, why is that person annoyed at me when it may have nothing to do with anything happening in this room? It could have been that last meeting. So I really like that process. That's fascinating. Well, the other, right, right. Didn't need to cut you off, Jeff. No, go for it. Well, what I, what I like to also say in, when I facilitate this with folks is even if you use this every time and you draw people's attention back to how it is that you want to be together, the reality is that we will fail. Sure. So I ask them what to do when we fall short. You know, what mm-hmm. is it that you're going to do? And then we get to practice because invariably in the conversation that very day, right, someone falls short. And what do we do to call each other back and to regather around those ground rules so that they actually mean something? Yeah, I think that's important. You know, I often call that like a pre-mortem, you know, so before you get emotional and you're talking about it the first time, you know that you're going to have mistakes. Uh, we are really good at the post-mortem and, and trying to dissect it, but the, doing this ahead of time, what I like about it is, hey, we got some prescribed solutions. So I think that's fantastic. Um, I know for me, one of the tools that I like to use to, is similar to this is also asking folks at the very beginning, um, what's the desired outcome for the meeting? I'm struck by a, um, a recent work that I done with Cleveland Clinic where I was there to show up and we were going to have this great conversation. We had the day all planned out and you could just see everyone's mood was just off. And what had happened was that there had been a major announcement that morning. So we could have gone forward with our agenda and built zero trust. Like we would not have really understood who we were working with. But by asking about desired outcomes and how do we want to be with each other, they were able to share with us you know, I really, we could use an hour to hour and a half just to process what we've gotten uh, some news about this morning. And it changed our day, but I will tell you at the end of it, we got hugs and said, thank you so much. And thanks for really listening to us. You know, so I think that's a really good example of being able to build trust in the moment. And it only takes a moment to both build and lose trust, you know, is what I'm hearing from you. That's exactly it. It just takes, it just takes a moment and then you have to do all this work again to really reconnect and have the relationship be robust. Uh, and it is about taking the risk. I, I tell people, you know, in order to get to the other side, to distrust, somebody has to stick their neck out to take a risk, ask a question, and share their intention to want the relationship to improve. Right? And so if you notice that there's something wrong, to just own that and to explore it and be curious without casting blame, but just being curious about what might what might happen. So in the case of ground rules, and if the meeting starts to fall apart, just to notice that and not blame uh, Aaron or blame Frank or blame Mary, but to really say, I just noticed that we, we've gotten off track and we're, we're outside of our ground rules. So can we pull ourselves back to that? What do we need to do to be able to do that? And 
then the team can come back around. And they're very good at navigating. They're very good at navigating themselves really back to that space because they know each other and they work together all the time. Um, so the leader can do that. But everybody in the room, with, when they all have permission to guide the group back, that's a very powerful, a very powerful um, set of circumstances. Yeah, I think that's great, as well as just recognizing some positive feedback for each other. So I've seen you do that, sharing the positive feedback and recognition. So I also think that's another way to build trust. I want to go to a little different spot. We've got a lot of listeners that manage people. And so you've got that manager-employee relationship. What are some maybe tips that you've got to apply conversational intelligence uh, in the manager-employee, maybe one-on-one or the, that manager-employee relationship? So if you haven't guessed already, one of the keys to conversational intelligence is really being thoughtful about designing great questions. And so this is a tool that is about asking a set of questions between a manager and employee to, to discover and share what it is that you need from communication with that person and what it is that you would like to have. So uh, that's... Just a very simple exercise I'll say to the, I'll say to the leader and sometimes I'll say to the, the subordinate that's struggling maybe with their leader. You know, this is a tool that you can take back. It's called a 10 by 10 conversation. So the first question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what would our communication look like with you and I, not with anybody, but with you and I, with Jeff and Jennifer, what would it look like if our communication was at a 10? And you write down what that would look like, right? Because my conversation with you, Jeff, at a perfect 10 is different than what my conversation with our colleague Debbie would be like at a 10 because you're, you're not Debbie. And so it's specific to that particular relationship. And it's just a conversation that allows both people to share, wow, this would be, if we were at our best, this is what that looks like. And knowing that that's not going to be, right, the case, most all of the time, it's an aspiration, what you're striving for. And then the second question is, where are we now on that scale of 1 to 10, right? And so it's good to do this when there's not trouble. <laughs> it's good to do <laughs> yeah. this when you might be at a 3 or a 4 or a 5 with somebody, and maybe even better, right, 3, 4, 5, maybe 6. And you're just beginning a conversation. It's, but it works if you're at a 1 or 2 as a way to take a baby step, right? So... At any place, you can use this as a starting point. And then the third question is, what one step can I take to move closer to your level 10 for this conversation, right? And then the other person poses that same question back. What one step can I take to move us one point closer to that level 10? And by just saying, this is what it, this is what it looks like if it's fantastic, and this is the one small thing that I would like you to do next. It allows, it allows the other person to understand the environment that they're in and to know what will be helpful to that particular person. And they can pay attention to it. If you can't pay attention to the whole list, it would be too much. But they can pay attention to the next thing. Yeah, interesting, Jennifer. So I'm just going to go back to the sort of the three levels again. You know, so it seems like there'll be sometimes maybe in the one-on-one where there's a a tell and ask, like some things just got to get done. And that might be going through some of the real blocking and tackling here. Here's a few things we got to get to. Here's the stats. Hey, I need this done by Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. 
what I like here is this, the persuasion is that the casting the vision is, hey, when we're at our best, how are we together? And so you're kind of both given a vision of what we're looking at for each other. And then that share and discover is what you're doing of, hey, here's how I would assess where we are. Here's how you assess. And then let's have a discussion how we make it one or two steps better. Did, did I capture sort of the three levels in that uh, uh, 1010 conversation appropriately? It's like you've been paying attention, Jeff. That's fantastic. It's exactly right. It's Lovely. Like all three of those levels. Perfect. Well done. All right. Well, good. Well, you know, I, I guess I'm curious. Um, what else are, are maybe some best practices in that uh, one-on-one session? So as we, you know, on the, the last part of our last segment, I'm going I'm to hit a little bit on conflict of teams. But wrapping up in the individual you know, I'll start with one more that, that I use often, um, and maybe you can give us one more before our next break. And that would be, I have a lot of folks that um, they don't have maybe a planned agenda, and they just kind of come in, they sort of top talk about top of hat, like whatever's on their mind. And so I think that the method that you're describing would be, hey, we should have a shared vision. And the shared vision is, we're going to have a regular standing meeting. And I want it to be that we cover the weekly activities, but we should also be talking about your development. But let's make sure that we have content each and every week, and we're not just coming and winging it. And so if you've got that ability to come with an agenda that's flexible, that might be a good idea to help the manager and employee relationship improve in those one-on-ones. Do you have another tip or two before the break? I do. Two things. First is provide a space when you gather to celebrate success. We are motivated people, driven people, are always thinking about what they could be better, what they could do next. But having people pause every time to celebrate a success, there's something that's working, there's something that's better than the last time, and to draw people's attention to it is so important. And the second thing is to real, about meetings is about shortening the space for presentations, right? and creating the space for conversations. And you do that by uh, just a simple question. Who needs the time today to solve a problem? We have all of this mind talent, all of this intellectual capital in the room, all this problem-solving ability because we're together. Whose problem most needs to be solved? Let's do a round and talk about which, what is your emerging issue, what, are the, what is burning uh, bright uh, on your level of concern, that you could use help with, and then listening to everybody, let's decide together who's our most important, and we'll spend our time on one, maybe two. And that just gives you a way for people to be engaged in meetings, people to feel supported by meetings, and energized by them. And that changes the atmosphere. Thanks for those, Jennifer. Hey, it's time for another break. Um, So we'll go for a two-minute break here, and then we're going to wrap up the show with ways to build trust on your team. So we'll see you on the other side of two. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. 
Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now, back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. And we're going into our last segment here in our conversation with Jennifer Owen O'Quill from Voltage Leadership. We've been discussing conversational intelligence. So, Jennifer, when we were talking last, we built some really good tips and tools around how do we work with our team as well as on an individual level. I'm curious now, you know, what's the hardest part about working with a team in conflict? And maybe what are some tools and tips that you could provide for us? Well, what I'll say about that is that, unfortunately, as a leader, I have a lot of experience with conflict. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I, think, I think we all do. We all do, and it's hard to be in conflict, but what's so helpful about conflict is, and what I love about being a third party is just the ability to be in the room and be unengaged in the midst of it, right? So um, conflict is hard, and uh, it's it's hard on your body. Your heart starts pounding. Your palms can start sweating. You can forget your words. So it's really important in conflict that you're remembering all of those little things that are happening to your body mean that you need a pause. So when there's conflict uh, and you're, or you're going to handle a conflict situation, even if you're going to think about how to tackle it, to take some really deep breaths and to, and to relax as much as you can, really deep belly breaths beforehand so that you have your best thinking available to you. When we're breathing in a shallow way, our best thinking is not, available to us because we are being hijacked by our amygdala, as, as Judith Glaser would say. And so uh, direct communication is really important, and in order to be able to do that, we need to be calm. So breathe. Uh, the second thing is uh, go directly to the person, not an innocent bystander. So speak directly. And the third thing I would say is remember that there's a, a person on the other end of your problem. I mean, you can try to remember that they have a larger story. It's not just about this issue with you. Uh, It'll help you really be alongside that person and have the ability to listen, even though you might be angry. Um, I guess I'll stop there for now. Yeah, I think that's good. So I hear some breathing. That's good. Being direct. 
I, I also call this the more you can be direct and not go to the water cool and and really try to recruit allies from others, it's important. So go back. So uh, Jennifer, if you have a problem with me, I have a problem with you. We should be with each other. And it's fine to do that in team setting, but watch going down the hall and recruiting allies. So I'd really encourage my high-functioning teams to do it in the room. Let's do it live with each other, going directly to each other. And to your point, remember that that's a person, and 99.9% of the people I work with come to work every day wanting to do a really great job. So if there's something that's not going quite right, you know, these are well-intentioned people that for the most part are trying to do the best thing. Now, we maybe have a different vision of what the best thing looks like, but that can be solved in a conversation. But when you're not in conversation and you're down the hall and not talking to each other, you know, that's obviously not conversational intelligence. That's called gossiping or going down the hall. So to me, it is that direct conversation. You know, I'm curious for you, Jennifer, as well. Um, what are some just, I guess, practical tips that you would have for our listeners to go back and maybe try and apply this? These are great concepts. What are maybe two, three, four things that we should think about doing? And for the listener, I'd want them to maybe pick one of these and go try something this week. So some practical tips as we uh, get towards the later part of the show here. Well, first, I would say, have you ever had a conversation about ground rules with your team? Do people know how they are supposed to behave with each other? Has there been a shared agreement? So having that is an important piece. Being direct in your communication is so important. And having the ability to really sit down with someone and think about the questions that you want to ask that will allow them to really hear um, you and what it is that you are wanting to achieve with them. So what's setting together a desired outcome and really being direct in communication, particularly when there's conflict. And uh, I also think that in terms of the three levels of conversation, it's important that we set expectations and then we ask for understanding, not do you have any questions, but what did you hear me ask today? What's the assignment that we, what's the agreement that we have? That's great. So yep. that you really do know specifically what the person heard. We feel like we're done when we say what we say. But people stop hearing when they get to the part that they don't understand or that they're worried about. And I've certainly been in a meeting where I haven't heard the last five minutes because somebody said something that made me anxious. And that's not a, that's not a your person's bad thing. That's a human being thing. And then to really be curious and ask questions. So again, I'm going to turn back to what are the right set of questions that you don't have answers to that will allow you to really explore some creative new options with your team and to figure out how to solve the problems that are before you. And if you come up with a set of solutions but with a great set of questions, you'll get a much better outcome. Wow, fantastic. You know, I, I want to build on that. You know, I think it's also all the things that you said around those three levels of communication, the ground rules, the 10 by 10 conversations. I'd also say providing recognition really goes a long ways towards building trust, not to steal credit, to make sure that you're uh, recognizing other people's effort. And think about that five to one, five positive comments for every negative comment. Then go and Absolutely. provide ways to, to give ownership to other people on the team and ultimately to share feedback directly with each other leads to the development. I think if we can do some of those things, so you know, if I was uh, um, one of the listeners this week, I might go and just, just try to practice 
like giving recognition, maybe doing this ground rule with my team. You know, so I think these are fantastic ideas that you have for us, Jennifer. Maybe in the last minute with you, Jennifer, anything that you'd like to close with? Well, I think that what I'd want my closing word to be is invest your time in building trust because it erases the drama and anxiety from your day. And if you were really to evaluate how much time you as a leader spent on drama and anxiety, to say that you don't have time for trust building, to take the time for these deeper conversations, but if I would say back to you, if I could erase that other time that it took to deal with the drama and anxiety because trust was present and so you didn't have to do that, would it be worth it? So that's my closing thought. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been fantastic having you aboard today. I know that we'll be talking to you again in a few weeks, so really we'll be looking forward to that. You know, one thing I'd like to close with is, you know, I like to ask, what can I do to build trust with you? And what's one thing that, I can, that I've done that hurts trust in our team? I think questions like that really help to foster the type of culture that you're looking for. So last week on the show, we talked about how do we communicate, what is our communication style. This week, we tried to give you some tools and tips around how do you build trust both with individuals on your team and with the team in general. Next week, we're going to have Lee Hubert from Voltage Leadership come aboard, and he's going to talk about what's a culture? How do we shape the culture in an organization? How do we grow the culture? What are some best practices, tips? What are the beliefs that are happening in our culture? So we'll have a conversation next week about how do you grow the culture, define it, and really achieve the optimal culture. Jennifer, it was really fantastic to have you aboard today. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, again, looking forward to talking to you again in a couple weeks. It was a pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. To the listeners, again, thanks for listening today. It was really great for all of you. I saw some messages coming in and appreciate the emails and looking forward to spending time with you again next week. You can reach me at area code 540-400-6875. You can also reach me at jeff at voltageleadership.com. Our website is www.voltageleadership.com. You can like me on Facebook at Voltage Leadership. Connect with me on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith Voltage Leadership Consultant. Follow me on Twitter at JMU Jeff, and you've been listening to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Thank you. I'm so happy you could join us today and look forward to talking to you again next week at the same time, 10 o'clock Pacific, 1 o'clock Eastern. Thanks, and make it a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.